This is the Feminem Podcast, the official podcast of Feminem, discussing all things femme, a little bit of EM, and everything in between. I'm Jenny Beckesme, Editor-in-Chief of Feminem. I've got another great piece of Fix 19 content. We're coming up on the end here, guys, but I have a little bit left for you. And this is a really good one to send you into the holiday week. But before I get to that, I just want to make sure everyone out there listening knows about our Women in Medicine curriculum modules that are on the website. If you haven't checked these out yet, the team that is putting these together every few months is doing just an outstanding job of creating a curated set of educational materials along with discussion questions and objectives and learning points that you can use with your Women in Medicine group at your own institution or just by yourself. The latest one is on gender disparities and its effect on patient outcomes. So it's really a can't miss module. Head over to the website to check that out today. Okay, on to the talk. This is from Dr. Viveta Lobo. It's called Redefining the Care Team. Dr. Lobo is the director of the Emergency Ultrasound Program and the director of the Patient and Family Advisory Group at Stanford University. In her fixed talk, she shares very personal experiences as a patient and as a patient's family member and how this compelled her to change both the way she cares for patients as well as her career. Enjoy. On July 10th of last year, I gave birth to two beautiful, identical twin girls at just 25 weeks. Amelia was born at one pound and 10 ounces. Eliza was my sleeping beauty who died in my arms a few days before. I spent 106 days as a NICU mom. Those were the hardest days of my life. Harder than medical school, harder than 36 hours of ICU call, harder than my dad's cancer diagnosis and watching him die in my home. But I had already been on the other side of medicine. In 2014, my dad was diagnosed with cholangiocarcinoma. Now, this was a man that I adored. He was my best friend. So uh, I had my parents move from New Jersey to California, and he started his chemotherapy at Stanford, which is where I work. We had lots of ED visits, multiple hospital stays, long hours in chemo and infusion. And just three months after he moved, two days before the end of my maternity leave, my dad died in my home, on hospice, surrounded by his family and his beautiful grandchild. It was a very painful and challenging time. But it didn't need to be in so many ways. I spent hours on the phone scheduling, rescheduling appointments for him, 
I spoke with insurance carriers about all the issues that came up. And all the while, I was trying to figure out how to breastfeed for the first time, how to use my pump, how to deal with postpartum blues, and cope with that realization that my dad was gonna die. It was so incredibly hard to navigate the healthcare system. And here I was, a physician, at one of the most premier institutions in the world, and I used every advantage I had, walked through every back door, all the connections, just to get a few things done. And now, five years later, I was back at that same hospital as a patient, as a family member, after surgery, the loss of a child, and another in the NICU. I tell you my story to remind you all, once again, that patients and families all have a story, that their disease processes are ongoing. And as EM physicians, we just get a snapshot of that, a slice in time. But when I chose EM as a profession, that's all I was interested in. I didn't care for the continuity of care. I was taught to be efficient. After all those hours in residency training and extra shifts as a new attending so that I could pay off my loans, my motto when taking care of patients was very simple. Keep it short, dispo fast. You have strep throat, here's your script. You have CHF, here's your Lasix, admit. You broke your leg, I'm gonna call the orthopedist, and off you went to the OR. I was very efficient. I saw more patients than my colleagues. In fact, in residency, we had this phrase for the moderate risk chest pain patient. C-A-N, chest pain, admit, next. It, was, it worked very well. Nurses loved my short workups. I actually had enough time to sit in front of my computer, finish all my notes, and leave my shift on time. So what's the matter? What my experiences have taught me, that I may have been efficient, but I wasn't effective. I miss the bigger picture. That strep throat patient, well, he couldn't afford his antibiotic. So instead, maybe giving him an IM shot of penicillin would have actually treated him. Or that lady with CHF, well, she's a single mom, but she has a doctor that'll see her tomorrow. So maybe taking the time to coordinate her care, outpatient management, increasing her Lasix dose, was probably a better option. Or my friend broke his leg. He was petrified of getting admitted to the hospital or going to the OR. Do you know why? Because of the stories his African-American father and grandfather told him about the Tuskegee trials. It took being a patient and a family member to understand 
that there is a wide spectrum of disease processes and a wide spectrum of treatment options. And where someone lays on that, well, that's unique to them and their circumstance. You have to ask them. That's the only way to find out. Engage with them. Discuss with them where they want to be. Make the patient a part of their own care team. Our pediatrician colleagues, if you watch closely, are very good at doing this. Pediatricians, they don't only look at what's best for the patient in their minds, but they actually figure out what's best for everyone involved. Because they get it. They understand that if I don't provide for those different needs, well, then my treatment is ineffective. If I don't provide for those different needs, my treatment is ineffective. During my time in the NICU, the team quickly realized not just what my daughter needed, but what I needed after my surgery, after my loss. They spent time with me. They invested in me. They talked to me in depth about their plans, about their recommendations. They engaged, but more importantly, they listened to me when I spoke, when I told them what challenges or privileges that were unique to my family. That's what decided what my daughter's treatment and ultimately her discharge from the NICU was. In 2014, after my dad had passed, I was invited to join the oncology PFAC at Stanford. Now, for those that don't know, a PFAC is Patient and Family Advisory Council. And this is a group or board that's made up of patient and family members in conjunction with hospital leadership. And they bring their perspectives to the table to bring about change. I was so impressed with what the oncology PFAC was doing. They really made a difference to the patients when it mattered. So, four years ago, I started a PFAC in the emergency department. And I'm so impressed and proud of what we have done in these past few years. One of the projects that I'll tell you about was we had this policy in our triage waiting room when, when a patient came in with a family member or caregiver and they got room to the back, well, they got left behind in the waiting room until the staff took them back, got them ready, and then they were going to come and call the family member back. Well, as you can imagine, things get busy, and they often were forgotten, left out in the waiting room. Well, this causes a lot of anxiety for your patient and the family member. So we advocated for change. We changed the policy successfully. But what was surprising that came out of that was not only did we change this one policy, we actually shifted the culture between our staff about what the caregiver and the family role is in that situation where now they're much more inclusive. They consider it every single time when we're talking about treatment and care for that patient. Another one we're working on now is to improve nursing care and patient care after your patient's admitted, but they're boarding in the ED, right? So they're in the ED, they're just waiting for, to get admitted to go upstairs. Do you know that patients refer to this time as the black hole or worse, purgatory? Because 
they just feel neglected. They feel like they're not exciting for the doctors anymore. They've been diagnosed. They're off in a corner. Worse, they're in a hallway. And they're just waiting there for hours. So hopefully, we'll make some change there as well. But every month when I spend time with these folks, I'm reminded of why I chose this profession. And it surprisingly has worked so much towards my own wellness and my professional satisfaction. So my message to you today is very simple. Just listen. Listen to your patients and their families. Listen to their story. Ask the questions and then consider their circumstances. Consider that as important as their vital signs. Engage with them, discuss with them. This is the most precise of precision medicine. And in many ways, I have found it to be very impactful in my own care, but also in my own well-being. Thank you.